Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Kalise Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. It's Live Music Friday, and later in the show, we'll hear live music from Pamela Means. And we'll preview this weekend's Greenfield Bee Fest with Queen Bee, Sandy Thomas. But first, we drink. All right, I'm going to call this place the Wine Cubby because Joe referred to it as the Cubby. <laughs> it looks like we are tasting rosé today. Yeah, here in the Wine Thunderdome. Where are the cheeses? Yes. Joe really threw down the gauntlet last time we were here and came out with some cheeses to make the uh, wine snobs at State Street jealous, who then went out and got us oysters. So, yeah, listen, wine snobs, who we come drink with, you need to keep up in the game. No, you don't. No, no, you do not. Do not listen to him. So, I don't know if anybody's doing the blind tasting with you. And no, it's that's what we It's just you guys, and it's always exciting. Yeah, I love this. So, we're at Nijame Wines in Lennox, in the wine cubby, with Joe Nijame, and we can see that there are two wines in paper bags, and we are gonna decide between these two wines which we like best, and we will not have the benefit of knowing what they are. However, hard to argue with the fact that whatever is in that glass now is rosé. Yes, it is rosé, it is pink. Yes. yes. It is and our first uh, rosé tasting. That's true. Yeah, I'll leave it completely in the dark because there are many rosés. I probably have the more selections of rosé than, almost than I could justify, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doing really well. It's perfect uh, time, perfect season. I've uh, put them in distinct glasses so you know which one is which, uh, okay. wine one and wine two. And uh, you can see um, what you think of them. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Thank you, Joe. All right. What people often forget about, about rosé is rosé is a category of wine, not a grape. Right. So there's a rosé of Pinot Noir, a rosé of Cabernet Sauvignon, you know. Yeah, typically red, red grapes, yeah, black right. grapes, yep. She's, I have rosé from virtually every grape you could think of, and in this case, this will be from a grape you can't think of. Okay, good. He's always trying to trick us here. Yeah, but we like that. I like that. I'll tell you what it is and where it's from after you get a chance to try two choices. Yeah, yeah, all right. So, because... We want to see what you like without any prior information. I love that. It's a little minerally on the nose, which is neat. It's minerally on the palate, too. Yes. Peachy, like Mm -hmm. a fleshy peachy thing. I really like that. Good, good acidity. So it means great with food. Right. But not overpowering in either of those things. Really, really nicely balanced. Everything kind of like hovers around that acidity in the middle. That's really nice. Flavor, but it's pretty delicate. Too light? No, no. I don't think so. The other thing to remember is not all rosé is sweet. All good rosé is not, in my opinion. My grandmother drank exclusively white Zinfandel, as she would call it. Your grandmother's nuts. What's that one? You're a stinker. No, friends don't let friends. No. (laughs) White Zinfandel, it wasn't a mistake, but it kind of was. It was like, wow, we really took this Zinfandel off of the skins too Uh soon. That's how the rosé becomes rosé. They leave it on the skins. That's where the red, red color comes from. Almost all juice comes out of almost every grape white. Exactly. They took it off too early. They're like, what are we going to do with all this? Let's Uh call it white Zinfandel. And a craze was born that ruined pink wine for generations. Now, what you said is true. More of the rosé is dry. It's the rare one that I have that's sweet. I have to search for a sweet one. I carry about maybe two, another one or two that are just off dry, and the rest are dry. And that's of about upwards of 60 rosé selections wow. in the store. And I will go through them all. I used to say years ago, don't pay more than $15 for a bottle of rosé, but it's become so popular now that the prices have started to go up and up and up. And now you used- say, please don't pay less than $15 <laughs> for a bottle of rosé. And the other thing, and tell me if this has been true here at Nee James and Lennox, there used to be a rosé season, which is now-ish. Mm-hmm. 
uh, through the summer, and then it would fade away. And then most wine purveyors tried to have all of their rosés sold by the fall because people weren't going to be buying them anymore. Is that still the case, or are people buying rosé all year? All year round. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Not in the same quantities. Right. right. You know, warm weather certainly helps. But rosé is ideal for Thanksgiving. So, But rosé also can be enjoyed at one and two and even three years old. There's no real strong reason to age it unless you have a very expensive. I have rosés up to $60 a bottle here. They're well worth it if you're buying wine at $50, $60 a bottle, but they really measure up. It's not just some name. It's a, it's a different drink. Right. Yeah. There are rosés that are expensive that have Angelina Jolie or Bon Jovi attached to them that, That's... in my opinion, are vastly overpriced. <laughs> Those are a little bit um, based on, uh, yeah, based on, you know, some celebrity appeal. Yeah, I wrote a whole article for the Valley Advocate using Bon Jovi lyrics, trashing Hampton Water, the Bon Jovi wine. Oh. This rosé is excellent with the hard cheese. Is that, what kind of cheese is it? Yes, what do we have here? Um, this is an aged Gouda-like cheese from Belgium called Brew XL. If I eat more of that, I'm going to have to move into XL myself. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Enjoy some. And then with it is our latest fresh goat's milk cheese from a, a local producer. We just got going with them. Thomas Farm Oh, and we just went to go we touch their there. goats. We were with their oh, baby you were goats. With, oh, yeah. that's so wonderful. We got to hold their baby goats. They put one in my arms, and they almost did not get that goat back. Yeah, we really? both wanted to walk yeah. out there. I have goat. a recipe for that goat, goat that you would not, you would love. I would it. be grateful yeah. because goat yeah. is also delicious. Yeah. So. I mean, they're cute. We go both ways with them. Yeah. We want to cuddle them, and we want to consume it's, it's them. often the cute things that are the tastiest. Right. That's all melon on the Wine, nose. too. Oh, this one's got a little bit of stinky human pheromone, which I love. <laughs> so it smells a little bit like, this sounds like an insult, but it's not. It's something I love. It's like post-gym class. Really? I, I smell melons. Yeah, I smell human sweat, and I like that. Almost like Japanese honeydew candy. Yeah, melons can get a good funk on them, and I love that funk. You know, any kind of organic material that, you know, has a ripening. I mean, wine is a, it's a live product, but it's decidedly more... Full body, yeah. More full. This flavor. tastes like peaches. Yeah, this is a, even more peachy than the other one. Yeah. And but with also some melon, some yeah. different types of musk melon. melon. This mm. one has so many different layers. But it's, it's explosive. Got, like... Decidedly different styles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yet they have some things in common. Their color is remarkably the similar because right? yeah. rosés can be from very, very, very light to very, very, very Almost dark. Almost looking red-ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that does not necessarily indicate level of sweetness. Some people no. think very red rosés are, are automatically sweet. Also not true necessarily. Right. Uh, I guess you could make uh, guesses. You could. Uh, we could throw the quiz out now. I think I might be able to guess region. Let's start there. I feel more sure, perhaps stupidly, more sure this time than I did the last time. <laughs> Got a little bit of that liquid courage this time. I feel like the first one might be Italian. Something about the minerality. I feel like this might be Washington. Okay. Mm. My guess is that the first one is French and that the second one is South African. Ah. South African? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Okay. Now tell us what they really are. So the first wine is from Corsica. Uh -huh. Oh, close! Yeah. Woo! In between! High five. I have Corsica is not traditional French territory, so mine, I, I'm a, I, I default get it right in right. actuality. 
Yeah. Not really. I, yeah. I, I didn't say Provence because it didn't, there was, the missed some of the herbaceousness that I think comes from Provence uh-huh. yeah. rosé, which is, that is like the most sought after rosé location. But it had that clear acidity and like this cutting like minerality that I often taste in rosés from Italy, which is why I was like, maybe Italy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and it's a pretty warm and dry climate and the minerality, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's a rocky place, mm-hmm. of course. So, so it is Italian. Rocky Balboa? Never heard of him. The Italian Stallion. Different Rocky, different Rocky. <laughs> But you want to guess on the second wine? We did. You guessed okay. South African. You guessed. I guessed Washington. Well, it's um, Provence. It's a South oh African. wow! Really? I would not have. I guessed would never that. have guessed that. Um, <laughs> it's stinkier than most Provence that I've had, but I love Provence. So that Corsican wine is made from a grape called Chicarello. I think that's um, my cousin's name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's as, as uh, genuinely Corsican as you can get. Yeah, it's as it an, an Italian, a French wine, as we could have teamed up to guess. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't pretend to be something else. But the Provence is surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Usually Provence right. isn't as big in your face like that. Yeah. Actually, Tell us what's in the Provence. It's made from Grenache, Sanso, and Syrah, classic south of France go-to grapes from the Côte de Provence. So it's a AOC wine, Appalachian Controle, not... Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I made that joke last week. You will never stop guess, maybe making I'll make, Maybe I'll make it that again. That joke is the joke. Yeah. It's the joke. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, I could reveal them. Should I do the... Yeah, numbers? do the big reveal. People okay. make millions of dollars doing this on YouTube, opening things. <laughs> okay. Here's the Corsican... Really? Beautiful blue label, Terra Santa is the Corsican one. I've seen that before. Oh, look at oh, that wow. bottle. The Provence one is... It's Chateau de Bern. We call it Bern. Feel the Bern. Oh, like Bernie Sanders, like AOC. Sanders, yes. I am once again asking for your financial support. I have three rosés from them. I love them all. This one is the mid-priced one, and it's um, called Inspiration. So there they are in our tasting cubby here. Yeah, so yeah. let's decide which one we like the best. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, because I'm not sure yet. I am. I, Maybe when I should it, have asked you while we were still blind. Though. No, no. I knew I knew even then, and I, I like it even more now that I know that it is from the area that I like to say that I think makes the best rosé Provence. But it was that funk and that overwhelmingly visceral human pheromony type smell is what I like most about rosés, and it was coming out explosively out of that glass. I'm surprised it's from, from Provence, but uh, that's my favorite. Favorite one, Joni James from Nee James Wines. Favorite of these two, the Burn Inspiration. I am so proud of all of us. Yeah, yeah the Provence. Khalee Smith. That's unanimous. You know I'm a sucker for bouquet. If it smells amazing mm. in my face, I'm probably going to be real into it. This yes. smells so nice. Yeah. And then it just blooms right. on the tongue. And as much as I said it smelled like locker room or like after workout, it doesn't taste like that. It tastes no. very peachy, very fruity, yeah. very floral. And then it's just, it's yeah. really... And, and it's the whole experience. You want to get some uh, enjoyment on all of the senses. Indeed, even, you know, the color. They're both perfectly yeah. pink. I'm proud of us for both guessing with our two guesses together, kind of exactly where that first wine was from. Right? What are the people of Lennox loving when it comes to rosé? The wine drinkers in Lennox are among the most sophisticated in the Northeast. Yeah. You know, so they come They like here. to think so. They, they, they buy a broad cross-section of the wines. Rosé of Pinot Noir is a huge hit, and I have 
what I think are the right ones. Yeah. When Tanglewood is in session, do um, the BSO members come in here and buy the different wines? The whole cultural community, I think, comes through my door at one time or another. I'm happy to <laughs> say that uh, lots of the members have been my customers for decades. Yeah, you know, nice. um, You know, for the generations of them. Is there like That's a number one BSO them. wine? Oh, what would be the number one BSO wine? Uh, hard to say. Or, or is it an embarrassing pick and you don't yeah. want to out them? Yeah, I don't want to. It's Miller High Life. It's, uh, it's uh, confidential information. We don't want to be indiscreet. You know, so. Now tell us James Taylor's favorite wine. Though the Berkshires seem dreamlike. It's Taylor Floodgate, isn't it? There we go. He doesn't drink. I do believe there are songs about why he doesn't drink. Yeah, I think he, he drank enough in the early days for all of us. Um, yeah, but um, the tailors are, you know, friends and customers, so whatever they need. Seasonal residents coming back every year, it's, it's always a, a really nice, like, ongoing reunion. Doing this has been uh, great fun, too. Yeah, yeah so, thanks for having us again. Find, like, really cool surprises. More. Well, yeah, thanks for I drinking with us again there, Joe. My pleasure. Thank <laughs> you for, for coming in to do it with us, trying to think about maybe we could do it in a, in a sunnier setting, but... Uh, this is the wine yeah, cubby. This is it. Yeah, we've got some nice picnic tables out there, but I don't know. There might be scoff law if we're there, drinking out in front of them. There's something yeah. really nice about going into a space where you're probably not supposed to be drinking around things that you're probably not supposed to be drinking near and tasting stuff. Yeah, like, like printers and fax like machines. And yeah. Tiny holes yeah. and taste there. Yeah. Although we could take some to tangle it. We don't need another people. <laughs> Why do you do that to me? <laughs> That's the official Wine Thunderdome theme song. One day I will fix it. And next week we will visit Tanglewood, not to drink, but to talk trees with Tanglewood's groundskeeper, Tom Lee. Later in the show for Live Music Friday, Pamela Means, who has a handful of shows coming up locally. And up next, what's the buzz on Greenfield's Bee Fest? We'll talk to one of the festival's founders, Sandy Thomas. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. Greenfield Bee Fest was launched in the spring of 2010 by the Second Congregational Church of Greenfield as part of its 200th birthday celebration, inspired by the work of former pastor Reverend Lorenzo L. Langstroth, known as the father of modern beekeeping. Bee Fest is happening this year alongside the Greenfield Farmers Market tomorrow on the Saturday of National Bee Week. And joining us is the Queen Bee of Bee Fest, Sandy Thomas. Sandy... You and I used to host a television show for public television, WGBY, our station right here in this building. We did. So much fun. Yeah. Eco Exchange. Eco Exchange. When was that? Oh, gosh. Was that eight years ago? I think it was way more than that. Maybe like 10. I think it was like 17 years ago. Okay. 17 years ago. (laughs) There we go. My memory's good, too. 13 to 17 years ago. You have a child that, that like, yes. It was definitely before my my youngest child's existence. (laughs) And it was dealing with environmental issues. And bees, of course, are a massive environmental issue. And uh, are we still amidst a bee crisis with things like colony collapse disorder in this country? We are. We Um, are. It's, It's spotty. You know, it depends on what part of the country you're in. We're pretty lucky in Franklin County where we are. It's not such an issue, um, but certainly the ongoing issues with pesticide use and um, not planting enough flowers for bee forage, you know, are always issues. So we try and provide that kind of information for people and what kind of plants to plant. At Bee Fest, will there be information? Well, oh, goodness. I we're going to say bee every time, and we're going to not, not think of bees every I'm gonna time. We're going to try really hard not to. Um, is there going to be information about No Mo May at this Bee Fest? 
Do you know about No Mo May? Oh, so No Mo May is uh, No Mo, yeah, No Mo oh. May. <laughs> I was thinking it was like No Mo May. Oh, I don't yeah. know. No, yes. no, no, no. no Mar Garcia. No, yes, of course. No space, Mo, Mo space, May. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because those little bees need to be hiding in that grass, right? Yeah. And it does help them, um, you know, survive. And yeah, we're, there'll be information on everything. MDAR is coming, the Mass Department of Agriculture Resources. We have expert beekeepers in the area. And so there'll be a question answer period. People can learn a lot. One uh, thing, you know, I have lived in Franklin County since 2003, I think. And I had no idea about Greenfield's history with beekeeping until BeeFest became a thing. So we mentioned this in the introduction. But tell us about the Reverend Lorenzo Langstroth. Oh, and how much time have you got? <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut you off when we okay. need to. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, in the front lawn of the church is this beautiful granite monument to Lorenzo Langstroth with a beehive. And no one really knew what it was. We thought, oh, I think he was minister here. No one really knew. We did a little investigation and found out that he was a father of modern beekeeping and that his creation, his invention, this movable frame beehive, is used all over the world. Everybody knows about this beehive, so but we, we didn't. It's the beehive that everybody, when you think of a beehive. Yes, yeah. that's it. Invented in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, And it's yeah. the, the form that people like basically work off of now. Like They'll take that frame and do their modifications to that particular style, but like that base style exactly. of frame is what everybody works with. Yeah. His, his invention really changed agriculture. I mean, we're all into agriculture. And so... Um, if any vegetable, any fruit you eat, 80% of flowers are all pollinated by bees. And so his invention helped uh, bees survive and be healthy, whereas before you had the beekeepers had to break open like a triangular-shaped hive that we all think in our minds, and it was destroyed. And so now it's very sustainable. You pull it out, you look at your bees, make sure they're healthy, scrape off the honey, and put it back in. So it's quite a sustainable um, operation for beekeepers. Yeah. And, and he wrote a book about it that became sort yes, of the Bible for the beekeeping. Bible. Right? And it's, yes, yes. Um, Langstroth and the Honeybee. And it is um, actually was written in Greenfield right beside the church where the town hall is now. Mm-hmm. And then he lived in the other building. So his whole, a, a lot of his uh, beekeeping life was right in Greenfield. So we feel very happy to be, you know, honoring his contributions and, and celebrating him. Why yeah. do you think we forgot about Langstroth in that time period. I mean, I'm sure it was a big deal (laughs) when he invented it enough that they made a monument and then enough time passes you just forget about your own town's history. I think so. People Uh don't pay attention to it. So I think our role, perhaps, as people who live in a town, whatever town it is. The city known as the town of Greenfield. That's right. (laughs) Call it the town, but that's okay. (laughs) I love it. Um, Everybody, that's real, by the way. We just looked it up again, too. Governor Baker officially changed the name to the city of Greenfield, but it was for a time being called the city known as the town of Greenfield, yeah. which is delightful to me. It is. It is. It's one of our little quirks. <laughs> it might be because he didn't actually, it does, looks like he didn't die in Greenfield. He didn't. He died in Ohio. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you leave places, yeah. like, people stop talking about you sometimes, even if you have a monument on right. your church's lawn. And I think you take it for granted, you mm. know, and there were there, the colony collapse disorder wasn't really a thing for a while. And so now that it's come back, I think it's our responsibility to see environmentally what can we do to protect bees that were dying and uh we better darn well do that yeah, yeah. i think it was einstein or somebody said if the bees die then we all die yeah, and i think much. it is very true and that this is not just a regional thing now no. you've had beekeepers from slovenia come by to we learn have, about beekeeping tell us have. tell us that story so so um uh will oh what's their name over in Turns falls dr 
Anyway, there's a wonderful guy who lives in Tur- who grew up in Turner's Falls, and he now lives in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. He came home to um, look into Lorenzo Langstroth. We met him, and he had a friend who was a major beekeeper in Slovenia who also came over. And they, they wanted to start the World Bee Day, which is actually tomorrow, the 20th. Uh-huh. And we helped start that. We, we brought him to UMass, where I worked at that time, introduced him to the dean. The dean supported it. And so many people around the country did that kind of um, you know, support and encouragement. And so he was very, very taken with what we're doing in Greenfield. We've got bee crosswalks. We've got bees on the parking garage. We've got bees on lampposts. And so we're really trying to be the bee capital of at least Massachusetts, if not United States. <laughs> yeah. Why not? And you get new bee sculptures every year. Every year. We've got three that we're unveiling this year. Tell us about They're the sculptor beautiful. and the sculptures. So the sculptor is Rachel Katz, who is a fabulous artist. Um, she's also an engineer, and she uh, owns Greenfield Gallery on Main Street. So she got involved with, with all of our enthusiasm and developed this beautiful sculpture. And then we find local artists to paint them. And uh, so we have... The three that we're going to unveil tomorrow, there'll be 11 bees throughout Greenfield. They're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And they just have, again, people look at bees in a different way and and consider, you know, what kind of attributes they want to think about to to protect. Um, And so that'll be happening tomorrow at 1145. Your church has a cookie cutter of that sculpture. Oh, my gosh. You know that? And I want one. (laughs) You you can get one. Where do you get them? Well, Rachel's... (laughs) Finishing the prototype right now, and they cool. will be for sale. We also have cookies tomorrow made from that very cookie cutter, honey cookies, of course. <laughs> the other thing we're doing tomorrow, we're so psyched, is we are painting bee boxes. So all the beehives, we have 20 without bees in them. Okay. <laughs> right. Kids, kids have asked about that. But we're going to paint the outside like Slovenia, the bee capital of the world, does. And so we are very excited to see what kind of canvases might develop from that. Um, there'll be 80 sides of bees painted uh, on these frames, on these beehives. They'll be all over Franklin County in private homes, but it'll be another wonderful thing. How right? hard is it? Now, do you keep bees yourself, Sandy I Thomas? I don't. I don't, but yeah. I should. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe we all. I know my neighbor tried for a little while, kind of was okay, and then failed. There's my mom also tried at some point and had a hard time of it. Yeah. Was having trouble with queens. You have to be mindful, really yes. mindful and really pay it and focused on it. You that know? might explain why she did so poorly at it. Sorry, I, Mom, I don't know if you're listening. <laughs> but there are some real expert beekeepers okay. in our area. I think of the, the Connellans in, in Warm Colors Apiary. Dan and Benita, they're fabulous. fabulous yeah. yeah, and so are, there will be people there if you are interested in Absolutely. learning how to keep bees that you can pick their bra- their bee brains. You can, and they'd be happy to have those brains picked. <laughs> it's from 9 to noon tomorrow? 9 to noon, and it will not rain. Yes. Uh, that's what I hear. No, not it will during, not. Not during that festival. Yeah, no. not during that festival. Not during our festival. There's, but there's evening parts too. You're showing movies at the uh, the, the garden, garden, the garden cinema. Yeah, uh, the Swarm. It's a 1978 movie. Um, we're going to be showing that. Um, Isaac is, and uh, yeah, there's a parade. There's a pollinator parade through the market. There's the the uh, honeybee queen happens to uh, of 2023 is always a senior from high school. And she happens to live in Turner's, so she will be there making flower crowns with children. Well, Come on, and you it's so much fun, Sandy Thomas. Yes, uh, you brought us some plants here. I did very graciously. Tell yes. us about these plants and why they're important to your overall mission with this Greenfield Bee Festival, which will be right. happening tomorrow. Yes, uh, they're important because bees need to eat. They need food, and the flowers are their food. And so, the more people plant pollinator-friendly 
native plants, these are perennials I brought you, um, the, the better off our bees will be. There are pollinator highways, there are pollinator pathways now all throughout Franklin County and perhaps, you know, beyond down here in Springfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, again, the more of that, um, uh, you know, kind of gets instituted into communities, the better off we're all going to be. Yes. And these um, native plants are sort of the big movement, I think, right, with mm-hmm. um, regards to trying to su- to sustain and encourage a pollinator population? Exactly, exactly. Because sometimes the uh, the plants that aren't grown here, you know, aren't really so great for bees, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and they're invasive often. Yep. So it's really good to look up. And on the Internet you can find, you know, anything. Like look up pollinator plants if you're interested in it. Yeah. Um, and then there are a couple of nurseries around here that specialize, specialize. in native yes. plants. Nasami yes. Farm too. Native Plant Trust. Yes. That we'll be hearing from from uh, Berkshire Botanical Garden in the next, uh, oh, I had to get a word that they're an underwriter, Nosami Farm, so <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> Gotta be careful what we say on public media here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want people to know about the Bee Fest happening tomorrow? Sandy Thomas, who I've been calling the Queen Bee, one of the oh founders of the God. Greenfield Bee Fest. I think and this I know is we're, the... I'm, we're not supposed to encourage people to go and purchase things, but you should check out the merch that they've made because it is really, really pretty. I mean, bee cookie it's cutters. amazing. <laughs> we have like five tables filled with donations that um, I call companies all year long that make whatever, be shirts and be mugs and be your, jewelry. Your, You're especially wearing one right spe- now. Spectacular bee earrings. My bee earrings. Yes, they came from there. <laughs> yeah. And we would be very happy to have people support that because it all does come back to support us. Yeah, and your yeah. shirt as well yeah, with the, the logo of the Greenfield yes. Bee Fest, celebrating Lorenzo Langstroth and the picture of the uh, the movable hive there. Or movable frame call, beehive. Movable yeah. frame beehive. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Nine Thanks. o'clock tomorrow. Nine Second o'clock. Congregational Church, mm-hmm. Greenfield, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. The soon to be. Oh God. Bee capital. <laughs> yes. Of the world. We'll go with the world. Yeah. Why not? We'll have to take on Slovenia. That they're the reigning champs right now. Yeah, they are. They are. But we can, you know, we can dance together. On two beehives. towns enter, one town leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Thomas from the Greenfield Bee Fest, my former colleague on television here on the show Eco Exchange from WGBY Television. Thank you so much for telling us all about the Bee Fest. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Up next. It's Live Music Friday. We've got singer-songwriter, guitarist, vocalist, educator, and social activist Pamela Means here in the studio. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. The music you're hearing right there is the pre-recorded music of Pamela Means, but it is Live Music Friday, and we have Pamela Means live in the studio. Pamela Means is a singer, a songwriter, a guitarist, a vocalist, an educator, and is generally awesome, badass woman, as Khalees said off mic there, if you missed it, and uh, has several shows coming up in the area, including tonight in East Hampton with the Pamela Means Jazz Project on May 23rd in Dover, Mass. at the Town Library, May 24th in Montague, Mass. again with the Pamela Means Project, and then Upton at the end of the month at the Upton Town Library. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yay. Should we start out with a song? If you like, sure. Yeah. Don't swear because we're on the radio. All right. (laughs) Oh, well, then I don't know. (laughs) I heard you talking about my penchant for a political song, so I'll do you some of those. This is called uh, Time to Tear It All Down. It's a newer thing. 
country tis a they What's the matter with you? Handing on liberty for the privileged few No justice for the rest of us You've been crooked and cruel Time to tear it all down and build something new Time to tear it all down and build something true We've been saying it for years, now the video shows it. Reason for rage and tears and fears, now everybody knows it. No more thoughts and prayers, rhetoric is through. Truth and reconciliation, reparations are due. My country, tis of thee, let me holler at you. A plenty opportunity for the privileged few. Roadblock for black, brown, poor. You've been callous and cruel. Time to tear it all down and build something new. Time to tear it all down and build something true. Time to tear it all down and build something new. Time to tear it all down and build something True. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Pamela Means live in studio with us for Live Music Friday. And as I mentioned, got a show tonight in East Hampton. Where are we playing in East Hampton tonight with the Pamela Means Jazz Project? At the lovely Luthiers Co op. Beautiful space Cottage. right there in Cottage Street. Yes. What drew yes, you yes. to jazz? Um, I was a student at the Wisconsin Conservatory. Of music, <laughs> studying uh, classical guitar, and they had a jazz studies program, and I thought it sounded cool, and I hated jazz at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and so that didn't come together for a while, but um, I jumped into it. It was way over my head. Uh, I didn't do very well at all, and plus I didn't like the genre, and <laughs> it counts for a lot. <laughs> uh, until until one day I realized I do like jazz because you know I used to think jazz was like blah, 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 you know, but it's it's and it is, but it's not. And it's I I loved Billie Holiday. I loved the ballads of Dinah Washington, Anita O'Day, uh, Frank Sinatra. Things my parents listened to, and um, and then I also saw a documentary about John Coltrane and how he practiced all day long. And that's why he was so great, and it dawned on me that every single jazz musician and classical has that discipline, and that's why they're great. And I, I dug out my old jazz homework and started to practice on my own. <laughs> and was this way after you had left the yeah, conservatory? Yeah, a decade. Uh -huh. yeah, wow, yeah. that's mm -hmm. interesting. And, yeah. and it was really, um, did you keep up with the classical aspect of playing the guitar? Um, not the the pieces, but the the discipline and the practice and the technique and the form mm -hmm. are still present in everything that I do in every practice routine. Yeah. What drew you? And we're speaking with Pamela Means on this Live Music Friday into uh, the world of musical activism. Was there a turning point for you where you were like, you know, what I need to do is to to say things with my songs, or was that <laughs> something that you were doing? From the first time you picked up a guitar? Um, that was sort of by default, and, and I didn't choose it. In fact, I, I'm sad to say that I was disappointed at the beginning when I realized that that was going to be my path, because as an adolescent, I just wrote, 
I listened to pop music and I wrote cliched, terrible pop music that said baby in every song. <laughs> Rhyming with maybe. And, <laughs> and um, but I'm biracial, I'm queer, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's difficult to be those things in that place as well as other places. And um, I was exposed to um, the work of Audre Lorde, James Baldwin, Bell Hooks, and many others. But in the beginning, those three in particular um, just woke me up and inspired me and talked about the reality of being black and brown and queer in this country. And because of their honesty and their greatness, I realized well, if I want to be good at all, I have to be honest, and you, know, you have, you know, I can only write about what I know, and that's me, and the seeing the world and this country through this lens, and just writing honestly about it. And so, by default, it's become political because no one wants to hear those opinions, you know, from a queer black woman. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to tell them. <laughs> truth is often hard to hear, but good to hear, and mm-hmm. it makes for good music. So, mm-hmm. like. Before it. Yeah, Pete Seeger, Martin Luther King both said that, you know, a song can do a lot more in three minutes than a speech or a novel or, you know. And it gives you that sense of hopefulness. So like sometimes you hear people speechifying and you feel like this is just going to fall on deaf ears. But mm-hmm. when it's set to music, there's this mm-hmm. sense of hope that like maybe mm-hmm. this could actually come true. And early on, my guitar playing in my, in my songs was a lot more aggressive and... So every song was like, bah, racism is bad. You get it? Okay. <laughs> I feel called out somehow. <laughs> I don't really know why, but I do. And then somewhere I just kind of, maybe by accident, just wrote a bouncier song that still had pointed lyrics. And I kind of thought, oh, well, I could just let the song and the lyrics do the heavy lifting and maybe sneak it in sometimes. So. Mm. Some of my songs have, have seem a little softer around the edges, but they're really not. They are still silently screaming racism yeah. is still yeah. bad, yeah. which is yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. Should we hear another song before sure. we take a break? Sure. Yeah. Should we hear a racism is bad song or maybe a jazz standard for Let's talk let's do a racism is bad song. All right. Yeah. All right. And yeah. then we'll do and then we'll do a jazz. All right. And then we'll do a jazz <laughs> song after we take a break. <laughs> That's right. Racism is bad. Yeah, everybody. But this one is more like racism is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you forget it. <laughs> it's called Sing for Love. See? There we go. Baby, baby. Another white boy with his hands on the trigger along with legislators who let the loopholes linger. Law of the land loves a white supremacy, so none of us are safe, no one is free. I don't think I'll live long enough to see this angry country discover unity. But as long as I got breath in my lungs, I will fight for justice, I will sing for love.
Martin Luther King worked to make the world a better place, he said. Only love can drive out the hate. Only light can drive out the dark. So hatred shot him down in a Memphis parking lot. I don't think I'll live long enough to see this angry country discover unity. But as long as I got breath in my lungs, I will fight for justice. I will sing for love. I will fight for justice. I will sing for love. I will fight for justice. I will sing for love. Nothing more important than stopping fascism Cause fascism will stop us all The immortal words of Fred Hampton Black Panther Party sounding the call Power to the people, free breakfast for the children At 21 are freedom fighters, so Chicago police killed them I don't think I'll live long enough to see this Angry country discover unity But as long as I got breath in my lungs I will fight for justice, I will sing for love I will fight for justice, I will sing for love Fight for justice, I will sing for love. I will fight for justice, I will sing for love. I will fight for justice, I will sing for love. Fight for justice, I will sing for love. Fight for justice, I will sing for love. I will fight for justice, I will sing for love. I will fight for justice, I will sing for love. So beautiful. <laughs> Pamela Means joining us for Live Music Friday here in the fabulous 413. You can get more Pamela Means live after our break, but you can also see Pamela Means tonight at Luthier's Co-op in East Hampton with the Pamela Means Jazz Project, and we'll hear a little bit of jazz from Pamela Means after a break. You're listening to the fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the fabulous 413. It is Live Music Friday, and in studio with us is awesome woman all around, singer, songwriter, guitar guitarist, vocalist, educator, and social activist, Pamela Means. Yeah. Yep. I'm real happy right now. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Me too. Happy and inspired <laughs> by the music and the activism that shows up in the music. And um, perhaps... I don't know if the jazz stuff that you do also includes some of that, the message in the music, or are you lean more towards the... Uh... I think it does. No, no, it does at times. I wondered about that when I started to do jazz, but um, first of all, jazz is the first genre to um, integrate racially on stage and in the audience. Um, so there's that. And um, the song Strange Fruit is part of my protest song project. Oh, I didn't talk about that. Um, oh, but let's. Yeah, yeah but let's. <laughs> um, Originals and covers, which is cool. It's a big collection. Well, due to uh, the lockdown in 2020 and, you know, we lost all of our gigs. Uh, and mm. in 2021, I had five gigs, two of them in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I was glad for it. <laughs> Um, I learned about the Mass Cultural Council and the different grants they have and um, the ones that you can apply to each town individually to local cultural councils and find a venue to host your idea. I was advised uh, if I could make a, my idea 
educational. It could increase my chances. So I thought of Pamela Means Presents the Power of the Protest Song um, because of its alliteration (laughs) (laughs) and because I could be myself and still do my uh, political work and have more reason to learn and relearn other important protest music and talk about it. Mm. And um, so between, this is the second year that I've applied for grants and I've won 52 artist grants to do the show across the state. Hell yeah. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. When will when will that particular show be? Um, well, it's all it's, it's all on my website. It's happening right now. I did twenty two last year, and I'm in the middle of doing thirty. Thirty. <laughs> I mean, right now this week I have four gigs, and I haven't. Uh, I mean, caveat: two of them are luthiers, but mm-hmm. I've still had two and three gigs a week for the last uh, six weeks or so, and I haven't lived that way in in some years, and so I'm really really grateful for it. Are yeah. any of the songs that you're doing for the protest project overlapping in your 100 songs project? Um, Which is what? Oh, yeah. Oh, project. yeah. yeah. Songs because life movies. isn't hard enough. <laughs> 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 I'm in the middle of posting 100 songs in 100 days wow. on my social media accounts. And today I posted number 24. Original songs? Or? No. Oh, gosh. Oh. My hair would fall out. <laughs> yeah. That's what uh, happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to do you didn't. I should have talked to you first. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Cautionary tale. <laughs> there will be originals. I've posted two originals, mm-hmm. um, two newer songs, unreleased, um, and mostly covers. And... Um, I have, uh, it's, it's a TikTok challenge. I'm not on TikTok yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, two friends, Lisa Bastoni and Corey Laitman of Cloud Belly, um, were doing posting songs like three, four, five days in. I noticed and I texted them and then I deleted it because I freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> And then the next day, I texted again and pressed send. I was like, what's up with this? Can I get in on that? And they're like, yeah, do it. And so now I'm in. And by day two, I was like, what have I done? Uh, 100 days is a long time. You know, like, for instance, the other night, I got home at midnight ready to chill. And I'm like, oh, I have to do a Well, before we run out of time, let's hear another right. song from Pamela Means, who is at Luthiers tonight in Dover on the 23rd and Montague on the 24th. Yes. Uh, so here's a jazz standard that I posted on Monday <laughs> from 1944. Um, there are many versions of it, and uh, my favorites are by Anita O'Day and Chet Baker. And it's written by Sammy Kahn and Jules Stein because I know it because I just looked it up because I just posted it on Monday. <laughs> but it's a uh, it's for all the romantics. So no shame in the Google. Yeah. I fall in love too. Easily, I fall in love too fast. I fall in love too terribly hard for love to ever last. My heart should be well schooled. 
because I've been fooled in the past. Still I fall in love too easily. I fall in Tonight, the Pamela Means Jazz Project at Luthiers in East Hampton and in Dover on the 23rd at the Town Library, the Montague uh, Library with the Pamela Means Jazz Project on the 24th. Yeah, that's an outdoor uh, concert, so bring your chairs. Very nice. You mentioned that you grew up in Milwaukee, you said? Yes. What brought you to Western Mass? Milwaukee. Um, you had enough cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I started my career there. I played, you know, all the clubs in the cool parts of town, and I, I knew I needed to grow, but I was naive. I didn't know anything. And my good friend Peter Mulvey, uh, yes. uh, he is he also was, from Milwaukee. Was he our first for Live Music Friday? He was our first Live oh, Music Friday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he moved to Boston first and told me how great it was, and I came for a visit, and... Uh, also saw women holding hands down Mass Ave, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want to go to there. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, conveniently fell in love with one of his friends and moved six months later and started all over again. And what about <laughs> East Hampton? East Hampton is delightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I lived in Boston for a stretch, Cambridge, Somerville, moved to Northampton, and then Brooklyn for a few years. Then drama, 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 break up, <laughs> move to the Hilltowns. Which album do we chronicle that drama on? Plainfield, Plainfield. <laughs> For real. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so I was in Plainfield, and uh, my friend said, uh, my friend Sturgis Cunningham said, you need to, uh, you should check out Luthier's Cunningham's, like a, I mean, uh, Luthier's Co-op, it's like a guitar shop with a, you know, a stage, and I went to... Ah, uh, Sturgis. <laughs> yeah. And then I, you know, I had been holed up and depressed and starting therapy, and then I started hanging out at Luthiers and became alive again and community and moved there. And, mm-hmm. I love it there. That's amazing. It's wonderful. It is. <laughs> and I, again, I can't stress enough how good the selections have been in your 100 days. And oh, so that eclectic means a lot. and so cool. Thank you. 
Thank so you. Do do check out all of her <laughs> social media stuff so that you can see all of the wonderful things that she's putting up. It's a TikTok based thing, but not on TikTok. Where do we not, find your not me days? yet? Yeah. Mine are on Facebook and Instagram, and they are going to make their way onto my Patreon page and YouTube. Yeah, and then maybe a playlist from there or something. <laughs> Those are all good things. All things I hadn't thought of when I started this project. I just thought, okay, I'm gonna do a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. Hundred, 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 hundred. And have you begun to add these to your repertoire when you're performing yeah, out live? Yeah. yeah. In fact, um, last night we played uh, a Billy Joel cover. She's got a way that I posted. And ACDC Dirty Deeds <laughs> that, that I have not yet posted, but I will. Oh, no, I <laughs> I'm hoping the Sade, the Sade makes it in there. At oh, some point. yes. Thanks for reminding me. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm welcome because I want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to see all of those things. <laughs> and you can see Pamela Means plenty of times locally in the upcoming days tonight at Luthiers in East Hampton, as I mentioned. The 23rd in Dover at the Town Library, the 24th in Montague, the 31st, the Upton Town Library. You're hitting all the fabulous places in the fabulous 413, <laughs> Pamela Means. And thank you for joining us here thank today. Thank you so much for this having me. This has been me. a delight, yeah, seriously. I love the show. Oh, love thank you, both. you. Thanks. <laughs> Next week in the fabulous 413, June Millington, co-founder of the first all-female rock band, release an album with a major label, Fanny. The PBS documentary about Fanny debuts Monday night. She'll be our guest Monday afternoon. We speak with the teachers and Students involved in MAPS, Music and Poetry Synchronized, a program that brings two schools in very different places to collaborate in making art together and has been doing so for 17 years. And we'll take you to Tanglewood, where we'll talk with the Lorax in residence who speaks for the Tanglewood trees. Our director is Tony. Last taste of freedom done. Our engineer is Betsy. It just broke on its own. Cordis. Our technical team is Bart, Super Tweety, Fangelistic, Extra Outdoor Concert, Rankin. Kara, where's all the tape, Foster, and Punk Rude Boy, Dubay? Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Taj Mahal, Winter Pills, Tina Turner, Pamela Means, and Taylor Swift, who my two oldest kids scored tickets to see at Gillette tomorrow night. Lucky them. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. See you on Monday on the Fabulous 413.